we encourage you to stay tuned to this powerful word that God has given us here at the Resurrection Center. We are located on 1060 Worcester Street, Indian Orchard, in the beautiful city of Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information about our ministry, please log on to our website at www.resurrectionspringfield.org or any social media platform at TRC413. You may be blessed, and the Church of God says, let us continue on the series that we've been preaching on, failure to repent will lead to destruction. And we're reading from James chapter 1, verse 1 through 8, and we read. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Dear Lord, we give you thanks, honor, and glory for this powerful word that has been read. We ask you that you will lead us in your holy guidance, Lord, that we are able to understand and apply your biblical knowledge that you have given us through your Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you. And the church of God says, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Today I'm going to be very brief and direct, knowing that we are living in times right now that we want transparency. I believe the body of Christ uh, has suffered from the negligence of many ministers and ministries that have failed to teach God's people the right way. Here at the Resurrection Center, we are driven and inspired by teaching people the word of God. And if you have your Bibles open, you'll be able to follow along that everything that we are saying and everything that comes from this pulpit goes according to the word of God and not according to the feelings or the behaviors of men. Amen. So James writes a letter to the body of Christ. And James explains to them how the Holy Spirit is supposed to work with the believer. The reason why many believers today don't have patience or have little to no success is because they don't follow through with what God has commissioned for them to do. Meaning that this is supposed to be a relationship. Amen. When you are involved or engaged in a relationship, you receive. Amen. And in return, you give. So we must keep that perspective mindset as believers. That when we're walking in Christ Jesus, we are supposed to be successful in every area of our lives. There shouldn't be a lack of none. If there's a lack of none, it's because we have failed to ask God who gives freely and truly. Amen? So this series based on failure to repent will lead to destruction. It's based on four different concepts. 
And these four different concepts are the ability, first and foremost, to recognize that you got it wrong. How can you truly repent if you have yet to recognize that you messed up? True repentance comes when you recognize that you messed up. Amen? And it's also a process that leads to progress. Number two, regret. Not regret that you got caught doing what you're doing, but regret that you are sorry for what you did. And you intend not to do it again. Many of us pray for forgiveness daily, but we fail to realize that in order to receive true forgiveness, we must forgive as well. We can't be walking around as children of God living in regret. We must let go in order to move forward. You cannot walk in your presence holding on to your past. I'm going to say that again. You cannot walk in your presence holding on to your past. And if you continue to hold on to your past, you're going to be a walking casualty. Let it go. Let go and let God. Number three, resolve. And that's what we're going to be speaking today mainly about. Resolving situations and issues. In order for you to truly repent, you have to learn how to resolve your issues and your problems. Whatever was the root cause of that situation... You have to come to a conclusion. You got to learn how to face it. Whatever you don't address today will tomorrow address you. Stop sweeping it under the rug. Stop ignoring it and stop running from it. We need to resolve many issues. And number four and finally, repair. In order for you to be 100% restore, you have to learn how to repair relationships. And how do you repair a relationship? By you gaining other people's trust that you hurt along the way. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? Failure to not follow through can lead to destruction lest you focus on resolving issues. Now, James the Apostle gives us an insight from James chapter 1, verse, verse 1 through 8. He says in verse 3, Knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. Patience, it's not an overnight thing. It's not a one-time event. It's not a one-time thing. It takes time to develop patience. Now, how do you know how strong your patience is? Depending on the situation and how you react to it. If you're still start having a fallout with people at the convenience store and it's taking you out of character, then you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. If you're still having a pity party because things are not where they're supposed to be, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. In order to establish something, you have to make your mind up to begin with. For example, if you want order in your house, then be the first one to follow 
what you had let down. Be the first one. Be the first imitator of that. Be the first one that is seeking results. Be the first one to push the agenda or the order that was set. Set yourself up for that. And in return, you will see the success that you are seeking or looking after. Amen? When you resolve, you must be committed never to repeat the act regardless of the temptation or the situation. In other words, if you make up your mind to say, I'm going to resolve this issue before this issue gets out of hand, I'm going to man up, I'm going to step up, and I'm going to say, I messed up, I'm willing to take whatever I need to take in order to make things right. But in return, I'm going to stick to my commitment. And what is the commitment? Never again to repeat the act, regardless of the temptation or the situation. Regardless of the temptation or the situation. Based on this, God can give you accordingly. The reason why we have yet to tap into the glory of God that God has for us is because we're not trustworthy. We're not trustworthy. We're good at playing the blame game. But not at admitting. Yes, God wants to give you. Yes, God wants to bless you according to the way that you handle yourself. You think that God is going to give a fool a palace? You think that God is going to give you that promotion knowing that you, you, you have a hard time getting along with people to begin with? And in the position that God wants to put you in, you have to work with people and you have yet to conquer. Let me tell you something. If people can take you out of character, you shouldn't be questioning the people that are taking you out of character. You should be questioning yourself. Because in all reality, when you know who you are, you are in control of your atmosphere. You are in control of yourself and you are in control of the situation regardless. Regardless. And I can prove that to you through Bible scriptures. Amen. That it's possible. Yes, you can overcome temptation. Yes, you can overcome adversity. Yes, you can be overcome betrayal. The body of God, the, the body of Christ is so distorted in so many ways. And a lot of us have yet to properly heal. God is placing people next to us that are beneficial to us, but we don't get close or opened up because we are still wounded from past toxic relationship. And we're trying to move forward holding to the past. And we're not able to conquer what God has set for us because we're still dragging with baggages, let down setbacks, hurts into our present. And evidence of you being healed, it's you not talking about the things that were done to you unless you're testifying about them. How do you know somebody has control over you? When you spend more talk, 
when you spend more time talking about that person than what you do about talking about you. That means that person has more control over you. Because every other sentence, it's about someone else that hurts you or did you wrong. And that's how you know that you have yet to overcome that hurt in your life. And let me tell you something about people. That the things that you care about, they don't care about. And the things that you stress out, they don't stress about. They continue to live life while you continue to die to life. They continue to live life while you continue to die to your own life. That's a sad thing. That's a sad thing. That is a tragedy in the body of Christ. Amen? So James says, in, in, in chapter 1, verse 4, four True disciples of Christ acknowledge God's sovereignty over their lives and do not take it for granted. What does the sovereignty of God mean? To have the supreme power or authority over all. So as believers, we are supposed to be in control. We are supposed to be in charge of what? Of our lives, not other people's lives. The problem is that we want to be informed. We want to be in tune. We want to be in charge of everything except our own lives. And that's the biggest mistake that we make as human beings. I can lead a horse to water, but I cannot force a horse to drink. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing me, church? And that's the greatest tragedy that we're facing today. And that's a lack of character. Because when you don't have it all together, you cannot make sound decisions. You make temporary decisions on long-term situations. It is facts over feelings. You make more decisions based on your feelings than on reality. And that's why you're in the mess that you're in today. But welcome to the club because I was there one day. Are you hearing me, church? But the good thing about God is that God always brings us to the perspective view of life where we could grab a hold of life and say, you know what? We still got life. We could turn this around for the better. We can make this work. If we're willing to acknowledge that we need help. Now, if God is on your side, you're a winner automatically. I say you're a winner automatically. If you're living right now and there's a pulse on you and you're still breathing and you're still walking, there's still an opportunity for change, but it's up to you to obtain that, not the person next to you. And sometimes we're, we're, we're forcing messages to people that God never intended those messages to be. Like, for example, many of you will live, leave here and say, man, you should have been at church. That message was for you. No, if it was for them, they would have been here. This message is for you. Are you hearing me? Give God glory in his house. Amen. James chapter 1 verse 4 says, Lack of nothing. God's intent for his people is not to lack nothing. That's God's intent. My question to you today, what are you lacking of? Because God's original intent is not for you to lack of anything. God wants you to be whole. 
to be complete. And many of us have yet to tap into that. So the question is, where are you? You shouldn't be asking, where is God in times of trouble? The, the real question is, where are you? Are you hearing me, church? James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lack of wisdom, let him ask and God will what? Give it. Why wisdom? Notice it doesn't say, if any of you lack money. If any of you lack attention. If any of you lack self-approval. If any of you lack friends, family members. If any of you lack leverage, beautiful things. No, it says wisdom. Why? Because wisdom is the key to life. That's why you see foolish people doing foolish things. And we want it. Emulate that and we want to imitate that. We, we look at the celebrities on TV and we say, man, I wish I had a house like that. I wish I had a car like that. I, I wish I was gifted like them. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. And you never consider that that person that you're watching on TV is struggling with something that they wish they can give in order to live life. The way it was intended. Every one of us. The most richest. The most successful. The less fortunate. Or poor. As human beings. We are all dealing with something. We are all dealing with something. So if you need. Things. To make yourself feel good. There's a problem with you. Your car. Shouldn't define you. Your house shouldn't define you. Your friends shouldn't define you. The neighborhood you live in shouldn't define you. All of that is vanity. And we do it so that we can be approved by status. At the end of the day, none of those things will make you. And none of those things you can take to the afterlife. So stop stressing the things that don't matter in life. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? Are you hearing what I'm saying? We have to get you to a place of understanding that all you need is God. That's all you need. Because if you have God, you have everything. Because the Bible says that everything belongs to God. So if you're waiting for things to come in the mail just to make you feel happy, you miss the point. You will always be in the lookup of waiting for something when you're going to fail to realize that in reality it's not the things, it's that you have the things in you or the things really have you. Are you hearing me, church? Wisdom. Wisdom for what? To address situations. I don't need a hundred opinions. I need the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit to help me address a situation. A hundred opinions based on a hundred different personalities will lead me to destruction. Are you hearing me, church? Wisdom for what? To solve. To solve what? Those inner issues that we're dealing with. 
You see, it's easy to solve the things that we see and we know we have to work on, but it's hard to solve the things that we have no control of. And those things control us in more ways than one. Like many of us are here thinking about tomorrow. Whoever said to you that tomorrow will be there for you? Today might be your last day and you don't even know that. And you're waiting about tomorrow. Jesus said it very clearly. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Now, don't, 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 don't get a little crazy and say, you know, I'm going to do whatever I want. That does, don't take that scripture out of context. What that means is that don't live your life as a slave worrying about the problems of tomorrow because the problems of tomorrow are going to come regardless. In other words, the bills are still coming in the mail, whether you have faith or not. I know you felt good when you took that car that you know you couldn't afford. But once you realize that you couldn't pay that, that you put yourself in a predicament and now you're waiting God to solve that. No, God is going to let you go through the process so you can learn your lesson. That don't make spontaneous decisions based on emotions, based on facts. At the end of the day, God wants the best for you and for you. But in all reality, everything that God gives you comes with sacrifice. Imagine me working hard all my life and just giving everything that I have to my daughter. Here, just have it. Without teaching her any perspective about life. Without teaching her how to get up early in the morning. Without teaching her how to be responsible, how to be accountable. How, if I don't teach her these things, as hard as it, it took me to accomplish them, as easy they will go. Are you hearing me? So... God is saying to the church today, it's time for you to learn. It's time for you to comprehend and understand that the things that I'm giving you are not for you to waste. It's not for you to just throw away. So, if the Holy Spirit dwells in us, the real question is, what are we lacking of? What are we lacking of? Think about that. If the Holy Spirit dwells in you, like He's supposed to, Then the question that's posed is, what are you lacking of? Let's be realistic. Let's be realistic. Now, many of you say, Pastor, I get that, but, but I'm waiting for my future wife. I'm waiting for my future husband. I'm waiting to have kids. I'm waiting to, to move. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to, to, for that word that God gave me many years ago to fulfill itself and, and all these things and so forth and so forth and so forth and so forth. But let me tell you something. This is a reality, especially in the body of Christ. The average Christian home in America faces many challenges. And one of the biggest crises and challenges that the children of God are facing today are divorce. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Are you ready for this? Married couples, lack of communication, trust, understanding, and bad habits. Now, this is not a marriage conference, so I'm not going to go over every single one of them, but I'm going to focus on one. I'm going to focus on bad habits, okay? 
bad habits. According to a news article, seven surprising bad habits have led to divorce according to science. The first one is avoiding confrontation. When you ignore the real issues, that is a leading cause to divorce. Are, are you hearing me, church? Avoiding confrontation, avoiding the hard questions, avoiding the real problems, avoiding the things that you should be working on as couples. Now, pastor, I'm single. The reason why this concept is brought up, because when you look at your relationship with Christ, it's a relationship of two. That's why Jesus says, I'm going to come back to get the bride. The bride better be completely clean, without wrinkles, without blemishes. And, and, and I'm coming back for my bride. So we're talking about what? Relationships. So if we're having an issue with avoiding confrontation, if, if that's an issue and we ignore that, then nine out of ten times we're going to end up being divorced. So in other words, if you turn that into the spiritual realm, you could be divorcing God and you have no idea. Because who's the unfaithful one in that relationship? Let's be real. We could be spiritual and we could be physical. So if, if you don't have a great relationship with people on here on this earth, what makes you think that you have a great relationship with God? Jesus said, how can you say you love me, but you hate your neighbor? You've seen your neighbor, you have not seen me, but you say you love me. No, I say to you, love your neighbor like you love me. He was talking about relationships. Number two, the second bad habit according to this article, that leads to divorce in the Christian body, in the church, is letting debt pile up. The second cause of divorce is letting debt pile up. A financial issue. If you want to take that into the spiritual realm, have you blessed God with what He has given you? The reason why many of us are in debt, because we want more. We want to make more withdrawals rather than deposits. You don't cast out a demon by yawning two prayers. You cast out a demon by spending time with the Lord and in return He will empower you because you desire Him. You're saying to Him, you are more desirable than the nightly news. You are more desirable than the people who are on Facebook right now that are consuming my time. You are more desirable than me working overtime. You are more desirable than my children that I spent all this money and in return they don't even treat me. Like the rightful prayer in that I am or father or mother. So we can look at this both ways. Many of us are financially in debt with God and don't even know it. Now you might say, Pastor, I give my tithes and our offerings. When Jesus talked about the tithes and offering, he was also talking about your relationship. 
If God has given you 24 hours a day, okay, 24 hours a day, the Bible says that you are to give God 10% of it all. So that means you got to give God daily two hours and 40 minutes. Many of us don't give God four minutes, but we expect God to respond to us the moment we're in crisis. Let me tell you something. Two hours and 40 minutes is not a lie. And I'm not talking about being religious, but let us be honest. We don't even spend that combined in a week in the presence of the Lord. Let's be real. So who's unfaithful in that relationship? We seek people's approvals and people's opinion. And then we get mad at God when we don't get the results that we were expecting. You have all this time. All this time in a week. Make God your top priority. And make your family the second priority. And watch how things will get in order in your house. The more that you withdraw from God, the more you draw into him, the more he draws onto you. Number three, arguing over responsibilities. The third reason why couples get divorced is because they argue about responsibilities. It is not your wife's responsibility to remind you to cut the grass. It is not your wife's responsibility to remind you to wash your mouth. You wash your mouth before you met her because you wanted to conquer her. Now you don't even want to wash your mouth because you got her. Let's be real. Now let's take that to the spiritual realm. You couldn't wait to get to church. Now it's a burden to come to church. You accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. The Spirit of the Lord started revealing and manifesting Himself in your life. He started showing you things. He started directing you. He started giving you sense in life. You started moving in the right direction. And now all of a sudden you got complacent. And now to come to church is a burden. It's a burden. Let's take it to the physical realm. She wasn't a burden when you first met her. Or he wasn't a burden. All you thought about, I can't wait to see her. I can't wait to see him. Now you dread going home. You pick up shifts at work. You make up excuses not to come home. Why? Because in the relationship, you lost sight. You allow the cares of life get a hold of you that you lost sight of everything that was for you. Let me tell you something. If your marriage or your relationship with others is going down the tunnel and you're, and you're looking for a way how to save that, give whatever is causing that situation to go downhill. Give it up. Give it up. And restore that relationship. Amen. Number four. Oh, you're going to love this one. Technology. We're going to do this the spiritual realm and we're going to do this the physical realm. Tablets, cell phones, in the bed instead of 
initiating. We got kids in this building, so I want to be careful. Instead of initiating intimacy, you rather spend countless hours on your phone or on your tablet. I can't make this up. You, you, you want to hear who leads this in the marriage? Women were found to be more involved in gadgets than men. I'm not even making that up. That's a, that, that's a fact. That's a fact. Well, most men don't have time for that. They got to go to work tomorrow. The issue here is not the tablet. The issue here is not the phone. There's a time and a place for everything. And when you want to have intimacy or talk or have pillow talk, you got to put away Facebook and get in your book. And start solving your problems and your situations. But you choose not to because you believe or think that the next picture that's going to be loaded by the next moron is important. And it's going to affect you and your life and make your life a living better. I could care less what kind of car you bought and you post on Facebook. You know why I could care less? Because I'm not the one paying it and I'm not the one driving it. I could care less about keeping up with the Kardashians. Why? Because I need to keep up with Christ. Because the Kardashians are not going to lead me into salvation. And the reason why I use them, because they ran out of so many seasons, because there's a demand for their seasons. Where there's a demand, there's always going to be someone supplying that demand. And if a reality show is in demand, it's because the people love it. There's nothing wrong with watching TV. But there's something wrong with TV watching you. You got that? TV watching you. People will not come to church on Sunday, especially during football season, because they don't want to miss the game. But they want God. They want God to give them a job. They want God to give them a wife. They, they want God to give them all these things. Let me tell you something. If you're trying to negotiate with God, the deal's off. Either you serve him or not. That, that's how it works. God's not going to sit here and negotiate with you just to get you. He don't need you. You need him. And he can use someone else that's willing to be used. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So if we take this same attitude in the spiritual realm, how many times we go, we try to attempt to go into the presence of God and we fall asleep. But have you realized that when you're interested in something, you don't care what time you got to get up in the morning. You just want to finish what you started. So you will go the extra hour to watch the NBA playoffs, but you will make a excuse not to get in God's presence. You are a product of you, and you are a result of you. No one else. You could blame me all day long. But at the end of the day, this is the funny thing, and this is the reality. I'm not you, and you're not me. And you wish that you didn't want to be me, and I wish that I don't want to be you. Because if we were to switch roles, we'd be a hot mess. 
First of all, I don't fit in your shoes and you don't fit in mine. So stop wishing to be like others and be yourself. Number five, venting about your relationship. The leading cause to divorces in the Christian home here in America are by venting about your relationship. Those who spoke about their relationship spoke about it in a negative way. Don't you have nothing nice to say about your spouse or your wife or your relationship with God if we were to take it in the spiritual realm? Why do you always have to speak negative? I, I noticed this about the, especially the body of Christ. They're always complaining of what's been done to them. All the time. They're always hoping and wishing for that day. Oh, I can't wait for the day that God blesses me. I can't wait for the day that God brings me my husband. I can't wait for the day God brings me a wife. I can't wait to the day that we have children. And then when God does that, then we complain about that. I remember a young lady a couple years ago. Every day, all day, all she talked about was having kids. Every day, all day, that's all she talked about. About a year later, she got pregnant. Nine months later, she had a baby. Three months later, she was yelling, I don't know how to be a mom! Maybe if you were to focus on preparing yourself rather than wishing something that you wasn't prepared to have. You ask God for the job, you ask God for the car, and then you complain about it. I hate cutting this grass. Weren't you the one praying for that? Weren't you the one asking for that? Oh, you know, I'm praying to God to give me a job to promote me. Now he promotes you. He gives you the job. And now you're complaining because you don't like the job. You don't like the people that you're working with. Did, did it ever occur to you at a time notice that you should have said to God, God, prepare me for what you have for me. Rather, God, give me what you have for me. I'd rather have God prepare me for what he has for me rather than me ask him to give it to me. Because if he gives it to me and he doesn't prepare me for it. How is it funny that everyone loves your house except you? Everyone likes your car. Everyone likes the way you smell. Everyone likes the way you carry yourself. Everyone wishes to be like you except you. That's an identity crisis. 101. You hear people all the time. You never hear me saying this, but you hear people saying this all the time. Where are you going looking all good? You know what I say to people? Oh, I like your hair. Wow, nice outfit. How you? Because when you've been healed, you celebrate with people. But when you haven't been healed, you're negative. And because you don't look as good as them, and you didn't make any effort, now you're making an excuse rather to make them feel out of place when you're the one out of place. Think about that. You are a result of you. Number six. Comparing your relationship to others. That's the sixth leading cause to divorce. If you take that in the spiritual realm, how many times you complain about God because you wanted what others had 
and what others got, they didn't get it from God. They got it from another God that wasn't God. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? So many of us are, are comparing our relationship to others. I want what they have versus what I have. And I see it time after time and it plays out time after time, all the time. In order for people to feel some type way about themselves, they rather indebt themselves to have things that they can't even afford, let alone even spell or pronounce. I don't buy stuff that I cannot pronounce or spell. That's why you will never see me buy Gucci, because I don't know how to spell Gucci. I'm just being realistic. It's too expensive for me to even try to spell the word Gucci. I'm just using that for an example. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? So I try to live my life as moderate as possible, but also in control of everything that comes my way and everything that I want rather than those things have me. And I don't compare myself to others because at the end of the day, I don't know how they got what they got. Oh, they always going on vacation. We never do. Yeah, we go twice a year. That's normal. No, they go to vacation seven times a year. Oh, yeah, I want to be like them. Next thing you know, you see the FBI, the CIA pulling up in the house, taking everything. Oh, I didn't, I didn't see that coming. Oh, you were the first one. I don't think people notice. People are watching you. They know what's up. You dumb Perion or something? Pulling up with a brand new car every year and think people are not going to notice? Oh, that, you know, that, that time was different. Yeah, sure. How'd you get that? What world are you living in? Be careful. Be careful. I, I, I remember when, when, when I was a kid, we used to live in the housing projects and we used to have people move in from time to time and they'll have the big speakers and they'll be blasting them. I'm talking about speakers bigger than a wall. And about three weeks later, you saw the, the, the Renner Center truck pull up. Whoop! And the speakers were gone. Then a few weeks later, they were evicted. They were kicked out. Then another, then another group of people moved in the same vicious cycle. And then they got more bigger speakers, more bigger TV. A, a TV that you can't even see because it's so big. You ever, you ever seen people try to fit these big TVs in these small rooms? The bigger the room, right? The bigger you want the TV, obviously, right? The smaller the room, the smaller the Big old TV. You, you can't even project every pixel that's going into the image of that picture because it's, the room is not big enough for the colors to radiate off the, uh, of the TV. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So sometimes we compare ourselves. Oh, how come the Joneses got this? How come this? And, and we start to belitter who God is because we're not satisfied with what God has given us. Be satisfied and thankful and grateful for what God has given you and stop complaining because one of the things that God hates is an ungrateful heart. Are you hearing me, church? James was trying to get these people to understand that everything you have and everything that you are should reflect the glory of God. And if it's not reflecting the glory of God, you should get it out of your life. Because if you don't, it will get a hold of you and it will destroy you to pieces. Amen. Stop comparing yourself. 
Now keep this in mind. None of these six things that I spoke about cause divorce. They, however, contribute to divorce. Okay, so in other words, just because you have one of these habits doesn't mean that you're going to end up divorced. What you should do is correct that. One of the things that I do before going to bed, uh, an hour ahead, I don't have anything on my face. I don't want no gadgets. I don't want no tablets. I don't want anything. I used to do that. I don't do that anymore. I want quiet. I want darkness and I want peace. Because the next eight hours that I get of sleep are going to help me to get by tomorrow. Now, if you're having trouble going to sleep, examine yourself. Sometimes the reason why we can't sleep the way we want to sleep is because we have a habit of eating before going to bed. Or, or worse, don't be like me. I used to do this all the time. I used to have a cup of coffee before going to sleep. And then I was like an owl. And my wife, go to sleep. One o'clock, two o'clock. I rebuke the devil. No, rebuke that coffee. Rebuke the devil. What the devil looking at you like? Brother, I wasn't even there. I was on 62 Street, down the street, brother. But you call me over here. I'm right here. What's, what, what's up? What's going on? How are you feeling me? You calling the devil and he ain't even there. No, rebuke that Bustelo coffee espresso at 8 o'clock before going to bed. You're going to be up. You, your eyes are going to be bloodshot. One time I went to Christina's house and she made me a cup of coffee. That was the worst thing I did. Was She said, Pastor, would you like a cup of coffee? I said, yes. That was like around 6 o'clock. And then I asked her, knowing that I was going home and going to bed, and then I had the nurse to blame her the next day. And then she reminded me, no, you asked me for that cup of coffee. And I said, you're right. You're right. You're right. I like bold people that remind you of the things that you do. Because sometimes you don't want to take responsibility. Amen. James chapter 1 verse 8. He says. It says very clearly. He is a double minded man. Unstable in all his ways. Sometimes we don't see success in our life because we're unstable. We say one thing and do another. We need to get out of that. That's going to lead to frustration. You see, I'm the type of person that I like to start something and finish it. And, and then I marry a wife that she's a perfectionist, right? So when we start cutting the grass, you know, or she cuts the grass, or vice versa, whatever the case might be, she will always look at the areas that were not cut or trimmed well, and she, that needs to get done. I'm sweating up a storm. I'm melting off my outfit, literally melting. My shirt is melting. I'm melting. And she, and, and one day, and then one day I said, won't you do it yourself? And she said, well, I will. I will. Now she does it. <laughs> and in order for me to get her inside the house, I say, no, it looks great. It looks great. I know half of it's not cut, but the other half, but it looks great. It look, it looks awesome. Amen. God is good. <laughs> God is good. Amen. All right. So when we are able to get our thoughts together, we, we become a product of our own ignorance. So in order to fix that, you must embrace the revelation of God. Let me tell you something. As his children, we must act like his children. Stop acting like you know it all. That's the problem with a lot of Christians. They can do no wrong. They think they know it all. 
There's nothing wrong with you asking for help. My God, I'm 40 years old and I'm still asking for help. As a matter of fact, I take anyone's help any given day. Are you hearing me? But sometimes, no, 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 I got this. I, I just don't want to hear people's mouth, so I got this, this and that. But maybe you're asking the wrong people to begin with. You want to ask people that you get results from and you don't get backlash from. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So stop asking Pookie and Tookie and ask the pastor. Because the pastor is here and Pookie and Tookie is out there. Follow people by their traces. Their actions speak louder than words. I want to get around people that are successful. I don't want to get around people that don't have nothing to do and don't want nothing to do. Like hanging out in the porch like, like this was the movie Friday. All day without doing nothing. Smoking with you doing nothing. All day. All day. That movie's a reality. I lived through that. We will get nice, crispy, clean with our Air Force One hanging on in our porch, watching every shorty go out by and doing absolutely nothing. I couldn't believe women fought for us. And we had nothing to provide. We were... So <laughs> get smarter, ladies, for real. Y'all, they're coming up. If he ain't taking you out to eat, that is a sign. If he ain't opening up the door, that is a sign. That brother broke. That brother going to try to live off of you. I was giving advice to a young lady at work one time. And she's like, yeah, you know, I don't know what to get my boyfriend for Valentine's Day. And I said, you know, get him a box of chocolate or cologne and this and that. She's like, no, no, I was thinking about a PlayStation. I was like, what? I've been married with my wife for 20 years and I just got a PS4. Are you kidding me? Like... I work, I bring home the bacon, and he gets a PlayStation, and he lives in his mother's house, and you live in your mother's house? Cristo viene pronto. Christ is coming soon. Christ is coming. Christ is, Christ is coming soon. For real. Young girls, don't be stupid. Please. If he wants you, he'll wait for you. If he loves you, he'll bring you to the altar, not to a motel. Wow. Where's the world going? coming to? Where are we going? I said, I've been married for 20 years. She just got me a PS4. PS5 is coming out. That means I won't get PS5 until 2050. Don't worry about my looks because when I be 60 and 50, I'm still going to look fly, brother. I'm still going to fly. Don't worry about that. I got that. Right? I got that, right? We laugh, but this is a reality. We laugh. You see these these parents get, buying their children, working hard for their children to get them a car, get them on their feet, get them to work. And next thing you know, the boyfriend is driving the car. I said, hello. That's right. Not my kids. That's the attitude we should have. Not my kids. Brother, you just came to my house and you think you're going to open up my refrigerator? My wife is like, take it easy. What do you mean take it easy? Prove yourself. 
prove yourself. Wow. Temptation will make you settle for less than what God intended for you to have in the first place. If she looked that good and he looked that good, but it's going to cost you an arm and a leg, it ain't even worth it, brother. It ain't even worth it. It ain't even worth it. Trust me. Trust me, it ain't even worth it because that's only the beginning. Once you marry them, now, 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 they, now we got to eat at a fine dining restaurant. Now we got to have the latest. Let me tell you something. She's marrying you or he's getting with you just for the benefits. Not for who you are. And you over here trying to keep up, man. I tell you, this is a tragedy here in America. Amen. When we receive revelation from God and we ask him as children that we are, we receive in return answers, solutions, ideas, etc. To help us deal with real problems in real situations. If you're if you're the type of individual that you don't have peace in your own house, begin to inquire of the Holy Spirit to give you the revelation of what's going on in your house. And once he gives it to you, act on it. Act on it. Act on it. Act on it. I say this story redundantly because I never want to forget it. Remember that story I tell you guys all the time about that lady that called me to go pray for her nene? And when I went to the house, I was looking for a little boy and there was a 30-year-old sleeping in the couch. And I said, lady, you better pray for me. If you don't want me to look down there. And then it's depressed. I remember when me and Pastor Millie messed up, did things out of order, and I came all excited to show my mom the ultrasound pictures. Hey, you're going to be a grandmother. Look, it's a girl. She's like, oh, nice. You got two months to find a place to live. <laughs> I resented her for that, but I realized that was the greatest thing she ever did because we've been on our own since. 20 years later, and we're still standing. You get what I'm saying? Sometimes love will hurt. Love is not always pleasant like we make it seem. Love might be rough, but it's for you, for the better of you. Amen? The real problem is that we as believers today, we don't want or we make little effort to bring change into our lives. We don't want to be good stewards of the things that God has given us. The first thing that we must understand as believers that the Holy Spirit is the greatest advisor that you could ever have. The Holy Spirit will teach you things about you that you didn't know about you. But if you do little to inquire of the Holy Spirit, what I mean inquire of the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you by you saying, take control. Show me the areas where I need improvement. And, and, and some of those areas that the Holy Spirit might expose to you, you might not like it, but it's for your own good. It's better for you to address the things that the Holy Spirit wants you to address before those things address you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit works in order. So the Holy Spirit might say to you, I, I, I need you to give up these things. And if you start debating, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He'll walk away. But don't blame anyone but yourself. Let me tell you something. I'd rather you point out the things in me that you don't like rather than those things point me out in the future. How many men and women 
that we have looked up to, even celebrities that we never thought was possible of them doing these crimes, find themselves in jail today. And, and you know, at one point or another, these celebrities came across people and even self encounters where they where it was told to them stop what you're doing and they never thought that a day of reckoning was going to come and it came are you hearing what i'm saying if they had the opportunity i know some of them are sitting in jail right now and they said man i, I should have stopped in 1997 i should have stopped in 1996 i should have stopped in 2005 i should have stopped in 2010 when are you going to stop is the question because if you continue to engage in these things these things will eventually destroy you are, are you hearing what I'm saying? If you have wondering eyes and, and, and you're married and, and, and you know that Facebook or any of these sites are tempting, you know what? Don't even go into them to begin with. You see, we get ourselves in trouble because we fail, okay, to address these issues. And then we blame everyone for it. You know, it's like you getting up in the morning and say, I, I don't want to go to work today. A wise woman will say, well, if you don't want to go to work today because you don't want to go to work today, then let me tell you something. You ain't coming back here again because we need to take care of this house and you need to work and I need to work. And we need, you know, to hold each other accountable. But but when it's one sided, there's always the possibility that it could go under. We have to be well balanced. So when we come into agreement with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is faithful and able to get us to a place where we can conquer those areas that we have struggled with for so many years. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Give God a round of applause. Now, to make sense of what God is doing with us before we close today, we must keep this in mind. Our destiny is at our reach. The place that God has for you, it's at its reach. But you have to align yourself to that. You have to align yourself into that. Now let's look at Genesis chapter 41 verse 14. This is, this is a scripture that you should highlight and, and, and keep reminding yourself even when you struggle. It's the story of Joseph and Pharaoh. And Genesis chapter 41 verse 14 says very clearly, Then Pharaoh sent and called out for Joseph, and they brought him out quickly out of the dungeon. He shaved himself and changed his garments and came to Pharaoh. Now, you might say, Pastor, why should I highlight that in my Bible? Why should I register that in my mind? Once again, I'm going to repeat it. Genesis chapter 41 verse 14. The Bible tells us the story about Joseph and we all know it. I'm not going to get into details because I don't want to bore you and I don't want to take up too much of your time. But we know that Joseph ended up in a prison for two years because he was accused, wrongly accused of a crime that he didn't commit. But in the jail that he was put in was not the ordinary jail. It was the jail only for those that work with Pharaoh. It was like a state prison for the, for the, for the inmates that, that, that did crimes. But this state prison was different because this was the dungeon and the prison of Pharaoh. So only the people that were incarcerated were people that at one point or another served the king. So God began to mold and chisel Joseph. Why? Because Joseph was a Hebrew. He was not an Egyptian. So the people around him were all what, officials 
that worked for Pharaoh. So they carried themselves a certain way. They spoke a certain way. They act a certain way. And they behaved a certain way. And for two years, he begins to observe their character. And, and the first thing that Joseph does when he gets the opportunity to beat Pharaoh, he says, wait a minute, I need to shave. Why? Because for the Jewish Hebrew custom, having a beer was a sign of wisdom, knowledge, and many other things that I don't want to get into because I don't want to bore you. But anyhow, Joseph understood, in order for me to go into Pharaoh's palace, I need to shave off my culture. Let's bring it to the physical realm. You want to be the boss in your job and you still act in ghetto. Don't you think people are watching you? I can't wait to get that job so I can clean house. Oh, really? You ain't getting the job. You have to understand, in order for God to bring you to your destiny, you got to let go of a lot of things. I don't care what they call you. They don't know you. You see, the people in the hood that are always dreaming will always tell you this. You forgot about the hood. you damn right I forgot about the hood. The hood didn't get me nowhere. I don't want to think about the hood. That was my past. I want to move forward. I want to be able to conquer and accomplish things in life. So in order for me to do that, I need to let go of the do-rag. Walking into an interview with a do-rag, two bandanas and two cuts in your eyebrows trying to wild out. I heard you hiring in here. Showing up to a job interview with holes on your pants. You know, I just came out of that, that 80s look, you know. At one point or another, you need to understand that you have to be responsible for you. And in order to get places, it's not, it's not about selling out. That's what the enemy wants you to think, that you're selling out. No, 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 you're selling in. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because God needs you somewhere. And in order for God to get you there, you need to comply with what he has for you. If God has said to you, I'm going to give you a house. The question is, what are you doing to get the house? I hear people all the time. God promised me a house 20 years. What have you been doing in the last 20 years? Have you been saving? Oh, no, I didn't think about that. What do you think the house was going to fall from the sky? Oh, it's coming down. Hold on. Oh, it just went up next year. Oh, it's, uh, and every year is the same thing. And every year is the same thing. And every year is the same thing. No, this is the year I'm going to lose weight. This, and why are you saying that? You're lying to yourself because you're eating two Big Macs. I hear people all the time. I'm going to lose weight. And why they're saying that they're eating two donuts, not one, two. Pastor, how's that possible? Like this. They do it right in front of me. I'm going to lose weight. You know, because in a, in a, in a giant tub of Coca-Cola or any refreshment drink that is 80% full of sugar. You know, because I, I got diabetes. And I need to get places, you know, and I. Mira, Cristo, ven ya. Christ, come now. Come now. Lord. Let's go. Let's, let's wrap it up. Because we see some foolish things that we. So let's wrap this up. What is God saying to us? 
when we resolve things, we are able to achieve things that we never thought that were possible. For example, the testing of your faith produces endurance. Keep that in mind. The testing. You're going to be tested every living day. Every single day somebody going to get up in your grill. Depending how you respond to that, if you're still having a fit because people didn't acknowledge you. Because I, I hear it all the time. They didn't acknowledge me. I'm not going to that church because they didn't say hi. They didn't. What's the entitlement for? If you know who you are, who cares who knows who you are? As long as you know who you are. I don't need to go places and announce myself. People need to announce me. You know, we get that out of respect, out of gratitude, whatever the case might be. But at the end of the day, if you need that, there's a problem with you. There's people that love the center of attention. They just love it. You don't even have to pay them. Just give them the attention. Give them a platform. And they want to shine more brighter than the stars up in the sky. We need to understand that God is working to produce endurance in us so that we can endurance everything that comes our way and we can be fully effective. God is trying to make us more spiritually mature and content. Mature and content. Mature is to know who you are, where you are, and where you're going. To be content is to be thankful and grateful for what you have and what you're going to get. God will never bless you in a place of disorder. And I hear this all the time. I can't wait till God moves me out of Massachusetts so that I can start all over again. All you're doing is relocating demons. That's all you're doing. Because the same way that you were in Massachusetts is the same way. I know you're going to go to Florida. You're going to be excited two days. Oh, all the palm trees. Oh, this is what I needed. This is what I... And all of a sudden, one situation comes your way and the old Massachusetts you comes out. All you're doing is relocating demons. Instead of confronting them and casting them out. How can you cast out something or confront something that you yourself have yet to acknowledge? Failure to repent will lead to destruction. And that's going to be many of us by the end of this year. That's how we're going to look like that man in that desert. You've been warned. God has been warning you. The light has been blinking. It's like when you're driving your car and the, and the gas tank comes up. And it's beeping and you keep driving and you, you fail to pull over and put some gas. What good is it the car if it don't got no gas? What good is it your walk if you don't got the Holy Spirit? You need to fill yourself up with the Holy Spirit. And that begins with you looking at yourself and not at others and saying this begins tonight. If I want to spend some time with my husband or my wife, I need to give up some things. Because if you don't, somebody else will. Hello, let's be real. And then we complain, oh, why did my husband leave? Why did my wife leave? Why this? Why this? Somebody open the door. 
And we got to be careful that we don't neglect areas in our life that God will call us accountable. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that I'm going to use that title for my advantage. I'm also a father. I'm a husband. I'm a brother. I'm a cousin. I'm a son. So I don't go to my mom's house and say, the pastor got here. (laughs) She will quickly remind me, boy, let me show you some pictures. You remember that time when you came from that school with them boogers in your nose and you was crying because Maria didn't want you? Who cleaned them up? Oh, let me let me show you another picture. Remember here when you dirty your drawers and nobody knew when I cleaned you up? Know your role. Let us be on our feet. We want to thank everyone that's watching us through YouTube and all the social media platforms. We thank you. Please connect with us. We are here every Sunday, every Wednesday. Wednesdays at 7 o'clock. For more information about our ministry, please log on to our website at www.resurrectionspringfield.org or any of our social media platforms at TRC413. Let us pray. Father, we ask you for forgiveness for the areas that we have completely, Lord, completely in more ways than one failed you. We're sorry, God. We want to make things right. We want to start walking in this path, Father, dear God, that you have laid before us. Let us be the husbands that you have called us to be. Let us be the fathers that you have called us to be. Let us be the sons and the daughters that you have called us to be. Let 